this morning I want us to um, I, I want to pick up on where we've been journeying with um, Deuteronomy chapter four and the whole idea of um, walking in our inheritance in God. Um, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, Nicole and I, um, as I was sharing a story, Nicole and I received a um, a small monetary inheritance when her grandfather um, died a, a number of years ago, and um, he wasn't a man of massive means at all. But he, the bit that he had, he wanted it to go to his um, his stepdaughter and to his step grandchildren, which was Nicole's mom and Nicole and her sister Leanne. And um, we, it was a wonderful bit of financial inheritance. And as a result of that. Um, little bit of money, we were able to put a, a veranda on the back of the house and we were able to therefore barbecue <laughs> without getting sunburned. And so we were able to appreciate the will of Nicole's grandfather, which was that we would be blessed by this inheritance. And um, and likewise, we just started to unpack a few weeks ago that that, that God's heart is that we would walk in and possess the kingdom life that he has for us. And we've been trekking through the story of um, Moses as he's about to, he's, he's actually about to sign off, and Joshua and the next generation are about to walk into the fullness of the promised land that God was um, setting up for them. And um, it's been like the Holy Spirit's been talking to us through this, and if you have got your book, open it up to Deuteronomy chapter four, or, or your um, your app, whatever is more appropriate for you. Um, and I want us to um, listen to the scripture again as we just read Deuteronomy chapter four again. Now, just setting the scene, the people of God, they've been delivered from Egypt. Okay, and from under the rule of Pharaoh and all of the gods that are at play. And um, so God conquers all those gods. He sets the people of God free as Moses leads them off. He parts the waters. They go through and then they spend the next, I don't know, nearly 40 years wandering around in circles nearly. Um, and they don't actually... If you look at it on a map, they don't actually go very far, but they, they kind of keep going in circles. And then eventually, um, in the story of all of that, we see God time and time again trying to lead his people into the fullness of what he has for them. But unfortunately, along the way, in the journey, the hearts of the people is revealed. Journey always reveals the heart, doesn't it? Journey always reveals the nature and the condition of our hearts. Uh, whatever our situation is that we're journeying through or, or uh, whatever, it always reveals where the heart is. And likewise, for these guys, their heart was revealed. And in fact, um, uh, as Moses is recounting this story now of 40 years to Joshua and, and the, peop- the next generation, he's like, he's hoping that you know, like, as a parent, like, when I open my mouth and I speak to my children, my hope is, like, and this is where 
I end and they have the responsibility to pick it up on the other end, but I just hope they're listening to what I'm saying and that they might actually consider what I'm saying, that it may have some value for them and that they would take it on board for their journey, for the things they need to conquer, for the victories they need to win because I can't win the victories for my children, but I can... As, as Nicole and I, as we win the victories that Jesus has us fighting for, we can demonstrate how they can themselves walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and find victory for their own life. We can't win it for them, but we can win it to show them how they can win it. And that's what Moses is doing here. He's like saying to this next generation, please, please, please listen. Please listen. You ever had those encounters with parents? Doesn't matter how old you are. Parents are still parents. <laughs> and when, you know, parents doesn't matter what age they are. They've got something to, they feel like they need to say. <laughs> and you know those moments? It's like, oh gosh, here they go again. Well, Moses was like dealing with that attitude in that next generation. In Joshua and the people, he's like, guys, don't make a mess like we have. And he, and he, and he, and he calls them. He says, look, you've got to understand, when God told us that we were going to walk into it, into the promised land, Moses basically says, we didn't, we didn't believe him. We didn't believe him. And, and, and um, even though he said to us, don't be afraid, even though he'd set us free from Egypt, and even though we'd crossed the waters, the waters had been parted, and even though we're now on the other side of dry land, and even though all of, all of, um, Pharaoh's armies got smashed, God's saying, now, I'm going to bring you into all of this. And, and their first reaction was, well, we don't know if you can do that. Even after what they just walked through. Isn't it incredible when God wins a victory in one area of our life, the next time that that same area has to fight for freedom again, it's like our first station or stop is, well, I don't know if God, I don't know if you can really do that. I mean, have we learned, have our hearts really learned who our God is? So, so Moses is saying to them, don't be afraid, go for it. But then he says this, he says, but don't forget, he says, speaking of his own generation, he says, we were unwilling to go up with the Lord. Unwilling. And we rebelled against the commands that God gave us. Um, and we grumbled in our tents and um, we actually ran around saying, God hates us because look where we are. <laughs> this is in, in, in Deuteronomy 1, 26 area around there. And um, anyway, it goes on a little bit further, but there was, in verse 34, but there was some who weren't like that. There was only a few, <laughs> and Moses wasn't one of them, uh, but he said um, there was only a few that were like that, um, which was Caleb, this guy Caleb. He's the only oldie of, the fir- of that generation that got to go through into his inheritance. Everyone else, they had to wait for that generation to die out before they could go in. Imagine being that last person of the first generation and everyone's like sitting around you waiting like, 
<laughs> Hurry up, man. We want to get in. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm dying as quick as I can. Anyway, I have a warped sense of humour. But anyway, Caleb was, was known as being a man who was wholehearted. His heart didn't rebel. His heart didn't mistrust the Lord. His heart was full of trust. It was full of, yes, God, you're leading us. We'll go there. But a bit further down on, it says... Um, you know, the Lord sent them into battles and they wouldn't go. And then they thought, well, let's go and pick a battle. And the Lord said, no, I don't want you to go into that battle. And then they went into that battle with presumption that God will defend us and they got their backsides whacked. Uh, it's like presumption, like, oh, God will do that for us. Well, actually, this is about doing this walk with God. <laughs> not presuming upon God. God is interested in relationship, seriously interested in relationship. Anyway, it says, so I told you, Moses said, I, I told him, don't go out and fight, you'll get defeated. But you wouldn't listen, he says, and you rebelled against the Lord's command and in your arrogance you went off to war, you marched off to war. These are real issues of the heart that the Lord's going after here in his people and Moses is saying, Guys, please, as you come into the fullness of God for your life, don't make the mistakes we made. It's the cry of a father's heart for a generation. And it's the cry of our heart that every generation would walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. Walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. That's always been his heart. So anyway, pick up in verse 4 there again. Uh, chapter 4 there again. And I just want to pick up in verse 9 where Moses says, Be careful and watch yourselves closely. We touched on this last week. So that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them slip from uh, your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day that you stood before me the Lord your God at Horeb, which is the mountain of God, when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me uh, as long as they live in the land and may teach them to, your ch to their children. You, can come near. you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens and with black clouds and deep darkness. And then the Lord spoke out of the fire. You heard the sounds of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared his covenant to you, his commitment to you, his treaty with you, and the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow. And then he wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me, Moses, at that time to teach you the decrees and the laws that you are to follow into the land. And uh, 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 sorry, in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Let me quickly jump ahead here. It's interesting that Moses uses this word, forget. Do not forget. Now, <clears throat> there's, there's a few dynamics here about forgetfulness that Moses is picking up on. Um, and, and let me explain them to you. The, there's, there's a few dynamics about it. The first one is this. 
there's a, there's a nature of forgetfulness that you could describe it like this. Nicole rings me, I'm about to go home, or I'm on my way home from somewhere, and she says to me, hey, hey, Kirk, can you just pick me up some milk and some bread on the way home? And I'm going, yep, no worries, not a problem. And then I'll just get into whatever headspace I was in and back in and I'm driving home and then I'll fly into the house and I'll drive into the garage and then I'll get out of the car and then I'll walk down the hallway and I'll look at Nick and I'll go, the bread and milk. I forgot the bread and milk. There's that kind of forgetfulness that we have to wrestle with, uh, even with the things of God. It's like, oh, that's right, Lord, you said for me to do this. I, I forgot. There's, there's that frailty about our humanity. But this, this word forget also carries with it two other dynamics that are very powerful that we have to wrestle with. And, and, and thank goodness for the Holy Spirit. He's anointed us to be able to journey through this stuff. But there's this one dynamic of forgetfulness, which it, it means this. It means to cease to care, to cease to care about something. Um, and usually when we cease caring about something or someone or a situation, it's, it's A, we've either been hurt, B, we've, we're just confused about what's happened to them or why they've made that decision, why they've maybe chosen to separate relationally from us or, or so on. And, and and in, in response to that, sometimes our hearts can grow cold. Our hearts get hurt. Our hearts get bitter. And so we cease caring. Well, I don't care about them. Well, I don't care about that situation anymore. Um, and even sometimes in the face of the continual barrage of the kingdom of darkness, say through poverty, just the continual confronting nature of the evil of poverty in the earth. Sometimes, as we're getting hit with that all the time, our hearts grow cold and we just cease to care and we start to become indifferent. We become indifferent about it. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Nothing, ever heard those sort of thoughts run through your head? Nothing ever changes anyway. Have you ever wrestled with those kind of issues in relationships or your workplace or even in regards to um, your sense of God's prophetic plans for your life that he's spoken over you many times and in many seasons where he's continued to speak them over you and remind you of them? And you're like, ah... I stopped worrying about that a long time ago. It's a very powerful dynamic. And Moses is saying to the people, guys, be aware of this dynamic. Be aware of this dynamic where you cease to care. You know, I must say that as someone who works and um, as we all do, for the glory of God, and, and, and particularly even in the area of marriage. Um, 
there's many agendas right now that are, are just so overwhelmingly big in the earth about the preciousness and the beauty of marriage between a man and a woman that right now the world wants to just crush that in the hope that the people of God will just go, well, I just don't care anymore. There's, there's so many facets to this where we're, we're arguing, barging, like even praying for healing for family members and friends that we've prayed with for a long, long time. And the enemy would have us cease caring and have us stop praying. This is the nature of Moses saying, be careful, guys, this forgetfulness thing, it's really powerful. Just check your heart again. He says in the previous sentence, he says, watch yourself closely. In other words, check your heart constantly that it's not ceasing to care. And sometimes our own pain and devastation of life experience can actually set up a framework for us that we buy into that says, well, the kingdom didn't come for me, so therefore why would it come for someone else? So I've stopped caring. Be careful of that dynamic. The other one is this, this word forgetfulness that Moses chooses to speak to Joshua and the next generation about is he says um, it's I can't pronounce it in the Hebrew um, but basically it means to choose to ignore or the best Aussieism that I can think of is turn a blind eye you know someone's doing something wrong you know if you're doing something wrong and just but but you know that if you have to engage with what's going wrong and bring light to it, you know that it's going to be hard work. So rather than deal with the issue or deal with the whatever the thing is, we turn a blind eye to it and pretend we didn't see it. Even, I mean, this, this happens to me, even when I'm on the streets and people are walking nearby that I know are not well, evidently not well, you know, crutches, slings, the whole thing, limps, evidently not well, but I'll just turn a blind eye. I'll just cease to care. That's the kind of forgetfulness that Moses is talking about is at play, that God wants to conquer in people's lives and bring them through. And I just do want to make this point. The current battle that you're currently engaged in, whatever that battle is in your life circumstances, be it for healing or for a restored um, marriage or for a, a, a prodigal that's running fast from God that they would turn back to God or, or for um, um, you know, deep kingdom issues in the earth, like, like issues of, uh, you know, like... Um, like abortion and issues of poverty and issues of just gross injustices. It's like 
that the current intensity of those battles that God's asked us to engage in and asked you to be passionately for his cause in the face of that, sometimes the volume that's coming from the front line of that battle wants to suppress your caring and have you just be quiet and go away and forget it and turn a blind eye. Moses says to Joshua, be careful, guys, as you venture into the fullness of the kingdom. Don't forget. Don't like, oh, I just forgot. And don't just cease to care. And don't just turn a blind eye. These are the things that God is hes wanting to bring his kingdom to, and he does it with and through his people. So be careful, because if you simply live in that field of simply forgetting enough and simply stop caring enough, and simply choosing to turn a blind eye and ignore it enough, that will become your reality. You will live in a world where there is a very small, undynamic God. Be careful. That's why Moses is saying, please don't forget. Don't forget. This is what we're dealing with. There's two things quickly. Um, He says, don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. Eyes are important. Your eyes are very important. What have your eyes seen? In in this last week, what have your eyes seen of the kingdom of God? What have your eyes seen of the devastation of the work of the enemy? What have your eyes seen? Pay attention to what your eyes have seen. This week, um, I saw hope restored. This week, I saw people receive new employment. This week, I saw a young boy experience freedom from physical pain. This week, I saw the kingdom of God. This week, I saw a group of people go and pray with another group of people who were having a hard time in their situation. And then at the end of it, the people who were the recipients of those who came and prayed... They said, thank you. And one of the guys that was there, I loved his response. He just gave this person a big hug and he said, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what kingdom people do. We don't let our eyes uh, we, we slip. We keep focused on what God is doing, what Jesus is doing. Um, King David said it like this. And this was from a place of, when he wrote this in Psalm 27, he wrote this from a place of, Um, not having his destiny fulfilled, but actually his life was under duress. He was getting hunted down. And he says this in Psalm 27, 13, he says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Our eyes are very important. Our eyes actually inform our feet. What you look at long enough is what you will walk into. In regards to brokenness, as well as in regards to the fullness of our inheritance in the kingdom of God. That's why the uh, letter, the the writer of the Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 12, 2, he says, fix, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on him. It's a bit that, you know, that great account in the gospels where, where Peter gets out of the boat and Jesus says, come on. Come on out. And Peter just starts walking on water. 
And the account tells us, the historical account tells us, as this supernatural reality is taking place right here on planet Earth, Peter's walking on water, but what does his eyes do? His eyes come off of Jesus and they look at the storm and the waves. And what happens to Pete? He enters into the reality that his eyes are focused on, the chaos of the waves. This is why it's important that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened to know the hope of Christ Jesus, who calls you into his glorious inheritance. Our eyes are very important. King Solomon said it like this in Proverbs 4.25. He said, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. You know, last week I was talking about just, you know, I was having a quiet time talking to Jesus and I was sharing with you guys last week, I'm reading the Bible, talking to Jesus and then this just these random, like, really sick sexual thoughts just ran through my head. And I knew at that moment, I was, it was like, well, I could follow that, but where would it lead me? It would lead me down into that. And so I just went, hey, whoosh, no, I'm taking that thought captive and bringing it under Christ because I'm here to fix my eyes on Jesus. And then he led me into this fantastic time of revelation and conversation with him. It was amazing. But are we still confident of this like King David? We will see the goodness of our Lord. See, God has declared destiny and plans and greatness of his kingdom and glory on you as individuals and on us as a people that would see our region transformed for his greater glory and for the well-being of others. Can we see that? Because Moses and the guys, from where they journeyed and the unwillingness of their heart and being captive to forgetfulness, even though God had said, see, I'm giving this to you and you'll walk in it, they didn't because their eyes were not on, what? their eyes were not on the prize. What are our eyes focused on? Because where our eyes are, our feet will follow. God has great plans for this church here at Vineyard Pine Rivers. This church will be a church that feeds like way more than we could even imagine. Right now we have a framework of imagining where we feed nearly, uh, well, we we minister to nearly 10,000 people every year. That's a framework. And we are now able to imagine that because we're actually doing it. But the reality is that with God, he's a relentless pursuer of people. And he wants us to go for immeasurably more than we can imagine. In other words, he wants us to follow him into the outside our capacity and see him be God in terms of feeding the poor, of people coming to Christ, of people being healed, of people being set free from demonic powers. And he wants to do it all through you. There is great plans in the heart of God, and I see it. And I see it. And together we will see it. And we will be confident of this. We will see the goodness of our God in the land of the living. That's where our eyes are. That's where we're going. We're walking into the fullness of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
Ooh. Don't forget what your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart. How often? Once or twice. Don't let it slip from your heart once or twice. Is that what Moses said to Joshua? No. He said to Joshua, don't let them slip from your heart as long as you live. It's a lifelong battle. It's a lifelong daily, weekly, monthly, minute-by-minute battle, year-by-year. This is it. This is where we walk. We have to, our heart wants to slip all the time and we're all the time having to say, hey, heart, be enlightened to know the hope. Fix your gaze on the goodness of God, the reality of Jesus. Don't let it slip from your heart. Wholehearted love for Jesus leads to possessing your inheritance. Moses was singing a song at the end of his life saying, guys, we missed it, but we know you're going to get it. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to be one who misses it. And in fact, in Christ, I'm not. I've actually been given the complete sufficiency of his rule and reign and great kingdom. But our heart, above all else, as Solomon would say it again, guard it because it's the wellspring of life. Wholeheartedness in a daily engagement with the living Jesus. Wholeheartedness is a way of life that cultivates a capacity to see what God is doing, even when the enemy would be saying, God, where did he go? Our first question in the face of every battle and context that doesn't look like the kingdom of God is, Jesus, where are you here? Because we know that you are. Give us eyes to see and a heart to see where you are in this moment. Because his promise to all is that I will not leave or forsake. And if we pursue the kingdom, the kingdom writers tell us, the Bible writers tell us, if we pursue the kingdom, we will see God. Hello? Wholeheartedness is a way of life under the Holy Spirit that cultivates a capacity to see what God is doing and overcome the volume of the battle that would have our hearts grow indifferent or no longer care. Let me finish here. Jesus' first words when he went public with his ministry Jesus' first words were this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. In other words, it's within reach in the Greek. It's literally at an arm's length. If I reach from there to there, there is the kingdom of God. And he says, repent and believe this good news. See, for some of us, as we've tried to walk the kingdom life, be it for a short time or a long time, For some of us, we have ceased to care or we've just kind of taken the foot off the accelerator a bit. It's like, I don't want to be so enthusiastic anymore. We've just kind of cooled it just a little. And for some of us, we've cooled it a lot. And we've just decided, nah, 
The battle's too hard. The breakthroughs won't come. I'm just pulling up stumps and I'm just going to go and sit over here because nothing really changes. Jesus' words to all of us who are fighting through that indifference or that forgetfulness is this. Jesus' words are repent and believe the good news. That word repent, it's not stop being naughty, will you? That's not what Jesus is saying. That word repent, we've said it many times, it means you need to start thinking a different way. You need to change the way you think and see. You need to come into a new paradigm of understanding that the rule and reign of God is here now and available and breaking in all over the earth and all over the world. You need to switch your thinking to believing or trusting that Jesus is true, that Jesus is faithful, that our Father is at work in our circumstances, that we can see his kingdom come into the earth just like it is in heaven, even as he said, pray that way. So at the start of this year, I want to invite us all, let's repent. Let's repent of where we've become forgetful. Let's repent. Let's change our mind with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to see things with a kingdom framework of life and believe this is good news. We are the bringers of good news. The generous rule and reign of God has now begun in the earth, even as it is in heaven, and it will continue to come, and it will ultimately come when Jesus returns again, and everything will ultimately be made new in that moment, and every sin will be wiped away. And every tear will be wiped away. And every pain will be gone forever. And God will walk with his people. And his people will walk with God forever and ever. Forever and ever. Let's, let's repent. Let's believe that, like, like King David, with the, the unction of the Holy Spirit on us, we might believe that Jesus is true and that we might place our confidence in his generous rule and reign and see it come into all that's happening. Jesus, his life, his signs, his wonders, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his soon coming return all tell us that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Enter into it. It's good news. Enter into it. It's good news. So this morning, I just want us to pray. Um, I want us to pray for all of us who've been battling with forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. And you know the three dynamics that I, uh, um, I mentioned before. I'll put them back up there. You just you have this forgetful way about you. I just keep forgetting, you know. I know you asked me to do this, God, but the busyness of the day, whatever it is, my headspace is in the wrong gear, <laughs> whatever it is, I just forget. It's like or someone presents in front of you with a need and you, and you let them walk away without addressing that need just simply because of, oh, that's right, I, I forgot. I meant to engage here. Forgetfulness, that kind of forgetfulness. But there's also maybe just a, I've ceased to care as much as I once did about the kingdom of God in the earth. 
And you know where that's at or not at. Or some of us are at different places in our life and in different spheres and activities. We've just, I'm sorry, God, I'm just turning a blind eye to that right now. Because the power of that forgetfulness robs us. It robs us of our inheritance. That's why Moses was saying to Joshua in the next generation, he was saying, guys, guys, conquer this thing called forgetfulness. And we, post-Jesus, post the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, have the generosity of God upon us to overcome that forgetfulness. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. So this morning I want us to pray. And as we pray, let's just repent. Let's like take our brain and our mindset and our worldview and say, God, where I've stopped caring, where I've ceased to care, where I've turned a blind eye, where I just keep forget, just simply I just keep forgetting, my brain's struggling. Let, can you give me your kingdom rule and reign in that area of my life? Because I want to walk in the fullness of your kingdom. I don't want my eyes to come on to anything but you this year, Jesus, and everything you have for me. Destiny, provision, kingdom, life and blessing. I want to walk in the fullness of it this year. Jesus, help me with my eyes. Keep them gaze on you. And at the same time, <clears throat> for those of us where the volume of the battle is loud right now, and it's trying to shut you down and shut you up, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I know, just the Holy Spirit's just talking to me. Jesus, just come and be our king. Come and grab every heart, every set of eyes. We choose your way. We choose to step into your, your life, your kingdom. Give us the humility to honour our forebears who for years have said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Forgive us, Lord, where we haven't honoured those who've gone before us and we've devalued their journey and the wisdom of you that's been there that they've simply wanted to offer to us. Oh, Lord, we welcome that wisdom to our life now. Come, Holy Spirit. More for everyone in this room, for every child next door. More. So what we want to do right now, Lord Jesus, even in the conversations that are taking place in the individual's hearts right now, is we want to say, would you forgive us? Give us a new way of thinking about your kingdom. Let us believe that it's good news for us and for everyone we meet along the way. 
Let this year be an incredible bursting forth of your kingdom in our life as we walk wholeheartedly with you under the power of your spirit. And right now, we just choose to step in by faith into the fullness of your good rule and reign. And we thank you that you have every need taken care of. We thank you that you are aware of every situation. We thank you that you are at work. We thank you that your kingdom is coming for us and for those who don't know you yet. We thank you that you want to bless your church right across this nation and see her grow and multiply. We thank you, Jesus, that you want to see us here explode beyond the parameters of what we already know in terms of kingdom life at Vineyard Pine Rivers, where our buildings will be too small, where we will have a flurry of people signing in to sign up to serve and give their life passionately for the kingdom of God through serving children and cups of tea and feeding the poor and worshipping you with all their hearts and mind and bringing their instruments and bringing their wisdom of their stories with you, God, their testimonies of faith and victory and life. We look forward to more of that this year, O oh God. For your greater glory, blow our mind, take our reasoning and stretch it with your goodness and glory. Take our imaginings and do immeasurably more. Take our imaginings and do immeasurably more. Do immeasurably more. For your great name's sake. <laughs> Thank you, God. We step into the fullness of that. 